Hi, my name's Taylor Chapman, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Let's actually jump right on in there, and let's see what God has in store for you with today's message. Week one, we looked at wisdom is the ability to know difference and the ability to apply proper knowledge. If you have correct wisdom, your ability to operate inside of that wisdom will give you advanced knowledge because the Holy Spirit inside of you does not operate within the realm that you and I do. He operates outside of that realm. So the Holy Spirit can be giving you wisdom now for something that's going to take place 10 years from now, and you begin to wonder why you're doing it now. Earthly, fleshly wisdom wisdom says this doesn't make sense, but God honoring wisdom says, wait a minute, there's more to than what meets the eye. Paul is telling us in the book of 1 Corinthians, I'm paraphrasing, even though there are things you can do that are not sinful in nature as maturing Christians, the question is not, is this the right or wrong thing for me to do, but rather, is this wise? Is this the best thing to do for the calling? The, the actual wording is beneficial. Is this beneficial for what God has put upon my life? And what Paul is trying to get us to do is to operate at a higher level. Everyone say higher level. Say, I want to go to a higher level. I want to go to a higher level. Wisdom shows you to go to a higher level. You need to have vision. Habakkuk in the Old Testament prophet, uh, he's an Old Testament prophet. He writes uh, in your outline, you don't have a, a deal, okay. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 2, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he, who, uh, so he may run who reads it. In order for us to fulfill our mission, this text shows us we need to do what? Three things. Write down the vision, make it plain, and allow people to run with us. Don't be a lone ranger in what God has called you to do. You've got to invest in people. You cannot give up on people. The, the next teaching series that we're going to do is, um, it's called Kingdom Come. And uh, I'm not going to, uh, okay, never mind. You're not going to want to miss this next teaching series. Uh, I will tell you this. There are certain points in each. I've already written the first two that just the one point alone is worth coming to church for. Not excluding all of you and the worship and all of that. Be here because I talk. Okay. All right. You get the, you get the drift. Um, uh, one of my favorite parts of the first message on our wisdom series was the abundance of God upon your life is based upon your ability to clearly define your vision. If you do not make it plain, you don't know where you're going. A vision in your head is not a vision. That's an idea. A vision in your head is not a vision. That's an idea. The Bible says that you have to write it down. You need a vision for your finances. You need a vision for your marriage, for your kids, for your career, for your walk with God, for your spiritual journey. You need a vision for. Some of you may not have a proper vision because you use words that are not supposed to be. You're negative. You start getting a vision for your words. Change what you say. Change what you think. Whenever you put a vision on whatever it is, the God-honoring side of that vision will come to pass because the vision that you put on is what creates parameters in your life. So if your vision is, it's okay for me to talk negative, then guess what? You're going to live a very negative life. If you think perverse language can come out of your mouth and be acceptable, you've got to change your vision for the way you talk because the parameters you put on your vision say, I've got to operate at a higher level and God wants me to do more than what I'm doing now. God wants to take me higher than where I'm at right now. 
Here's why, because of week two, Proverbs 29, 18, in your outline. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. What Solomon is saying here is where you don't have a vision, you don't have parameters in your life. Another word is guardrails or boundaries. So you live with this motto, whatever happens today, it is, it is, it is what it is. Remember the saying, Sarah. Sarah, whatever will be, will be. The vision upon your life puts standards for how you are to live your life. Because part of the vision I have on my life is to walk in a strong anointing as your pastor, that vision has built and put boundaries upon my life. I could say my vision causes me to be or not to be in certain environments. My vision causes me to say or not to say certain things. My vision causes me to spend money on certain things where I wouldn't normally spend money on. Do you hear me? Uh, I don't know if you've ever followed business building, but one of the most important parts they say of building your business is always invest in yourself. So how come when it comes to the spiritual life, we don't invest in ourselves? Okay. This past week, way to go, Mom. This past week, Adrienne and I were in Tulsa. We were invited to what we consider a female general of the faith to be in her home for two nights. There were 10 people total, 11 with her, five couples. Um, In all of America, five people got invited. I didn't even have to wonder or think or ask It aligns with my vision to get around people who operate at a different level of anointing than I do. So what did we do? We packed up. uh, We actually flew her her mom in to watch our kids because my parents were out of town. And then we went to Tulsa and we spent two nights in her home with her. I did something out of the normal because of my vision wanting me to have more of it. Does that make sense? Do you need to go to that house and spend two days? It's not your vision. But when it comes to your business, when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to the things in your life, where does your vision take you? We believe, and I think most of you would agree, that church attendance is of utmost importance. You better have a spiritual life vision. Because it's in the settings of what just took place in worship, in fellowship, where the vision begins to be birthed inside of you. For the person who got the word of knowledge today, if they wouldn't have been here, would that word of knowledge happen to them? So there's a benefit when the body comes together. Okay. Uh, We looked at Proverbs chapter 1. The basic idea that we looked at was you're only able to operate at the level of which you know. Technology has kind of become second nature to us, so follow me. But recall back when you bought a new phone and you had the old flip phone. Some of you still have the flip phone? Okay, I'm not going to call you out, but okay. Time to step it up. But all right, you have the old flip phone, and whenever you got your new smartphone, 
You had very limited knowledge of how that phone could operate. You could not use the phone to its fullest potential. But the more you learned about it, the more you played with it, the more you tried different things, the more real, the more you realized it had features and it had features the entire time. But just because you didn't know how to use them, didn't know the features weren't available to you. Just because it had the features and you didn't know how to use them did not mean that the features were not available to you. Okay, the phone had the features the whole time. It was the limit of your knowledge is what stopped the phone from being able to operate in the fullness of what the phone was able to operate in. When you live in the mindset of a limited God, you limit the features of what God has to operate in your life. Your God has more features than you can imagine. The Bible says that my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Your God has features that you don't even know how to use, but because of your limited ability to understand them, you don't think that there is more to than what meets the eye. God is doing something beyond what you can ask, think, or imagine, but you have limited your ability to operate in the power of the Word of God because you don't understand its features. Limited vision causes limited understanding. You limit God in your life because of the limited knowledge of who God is. There are entire denominations out there who do not acknowledge the power of the Holy Spirit. They have limited their ability to operate in the Holy Spirit because they have decided to limit their knowledge. It does not make them any less of a Christian. It limits the abilities of the features of the Word of God to operate in. Mm -hmm. All right. Another I thought, great point that we made, Terrence, was where there is no vision, things control you. Where there is a vision, you control them. I have a vision for this church. I want to see a church so filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that you guys wouldn't even imagine. You walk in and you just become a fully devoted disciple. You walk in and just the presence of God begins to touch you. You drive into the parking lot and you're like, ooh, it feels a little different here. Something's happening. There's a vision that I have for this church and I will not limit God and what God wants to do. And I will not allow you to limit what God wants to do because God wants to do something here in this church, but he needs all of us working together to be a part of the vision that is placed upon this church. The vision you have for your life determines how far you allow yourself to go. The vision you have upon your life will determine how far you allow yourself to go. If you limit God to a little God, then you will have a little God in your life. If you limit God to a big God, you will have a lot of God in your life. I am sick and tired of Christians coming and living a defeated life because they themselves have limited God by what they've said, what they've done, where they've gone, who they've been around. It's time the church stands up and says, hey, guess what? I will not limit my God or the call of God that's upon my life. Thank you, Rich. Wisdom shows us wherever you want to have growth, you've got to have a vision to get there. So to have a vision to get where growth is, we have to get very practical. This was actually my first message of the series, but I couldn't get to it, so we just extended it out a little bit. This is going to be very, very practical. If you're going to have personal wisdom, let's look in your outline I must write down, number one, my personal mission. This is the nuts and bolts of how you can walk in the greatest days of your life when you get the right vision for your life. So write down, number one, my personal mission. Underneath that, mission is the original intent of why a thing is created. It is the journey of all men. Why am I here on earth? There has to be greater meaning than just survival. I've been studying uh, 
a guy by the name of Evan Roberts of the Welsh Revival from the early 1900s. Anyone heard of him? Hmm. All right. Evan Roberts, 16 years old, uh, starts preaching. And whenever he would preach, the first couple of years, um, not a whole lot happened. He began to get around other ministers and get around other churches, and then he began to preach. This was at 16. He walked into a church. When he walked into the church, he walked behind the pulpit and just stared at everybody. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to say. He didn't know what, anything about it. But whenever, as he walked into the stage, the story goes, he began to feel a wind that walked in with him. And whenever he walked behind the pulpit, the wind just stayed around him. For two hours... He stood there and did nothing. The people stood there and watched. And then at two hours, the presence of God began to float over the place. People began to stand up and say, I just got healed. People begin to stand up and say, I feel God's presence. People begin to stand up and say, there's something manifesting here. It became a path for his ministry that he would go into a place and he wouldn't preach. He would just stand there and wait for an hour, two hours, three hours. At the end of his life, he had over 100,000 people come to Christ. In his meetings, there would be people that would come in that didn't have an arm and leave with one. There would be people that would come in in wheelchairs given hours and days and weeks only to live, walked out healed. Evan Roberts had a fantastic ministry. He was the start of what would be the, called the Welsh Revival, which was a great move of God that we'll study next year probably. But Evan Roberts at 55 years old allowed something in his life to take place. He forgot his mission. He got himself to a place where the mission that was upon his life began to change. He began to listen to what everybody else was saying. He began to take advice from everybody else. And it allowed an opportunity for what we call the Jezebel spirit to enter his life. If you're not familiar with the Jezebel spirit, it's a demon. It's a high-ranking demon. It's a female. She's an idiot. But the demon was real. And this Jezebel spirit began to get into his life. And the Jezebel spirit, what it does, it, it, it comes mainly on ministers. It doesn't normally come on just laymen in the church. It comes on people who are in authority inside the church. And the Jezebel spirit began to speak to him. He could not decipher. Now, this guy saw amazing miracles. He could not decipher, and this is what the Jezebel spirit does, between the voice of God and her voice. And he began to question and doubt his calling. Whenever he began to question his calling, he walked away from ministry. At 55 years old, he was laying about to die, and he says, I have no clue why I was ever brought to earth. I've lost my purpose. What is our purpose on earth? The Jezebel spirit took him to a place because he allowed his mission upon his life to be changed from what God had called it to be. The Jezebel spirit spoke something in him and he began to believe what that voice was. The vision that he once had upon his life, the vision that once kept him in boundaries, he lost sight of the vision, and he forgot his calling. There are those of us in this room and watching online that you have forgotten your mission. You have forgotten why you got married. The original intent, remember that's what mission means, the original, you have forgotten 
why you had kids. You have forgotten different aspects of your life. You have forgotten the original relationship with God that you at one point in your life said, God, I need you to be my Lord and Savior. You forgot the original intent of that mission. And it has allowed you to get off course and go silent with what God's called you to do. When you have a clear mission, listen to this, the purest form of who you are can be established. The purest form of who you are can be established when you have the proper mission. When you look at your kids, what was the original intent of why you had kids? When you look at your marriage, what was the original intent of why you got married to that person? Once we have determined our mission in our home, in our marriage, in our kids, in our spiritual walk, how that's supposed to look, we've got to look at number two. And again, nuts and bolts here. Number two, my personal vision. Write down my personal vision. And your vision is the strategy of how we accomplish something. Underneath my personal vision, vision is the next slide, strategy, there you go, of how we accomplish something. People who walk in wisdom have learned how to go from a mission to a vision. When I started our business, I went and wrote down what I wanted my business to look like in five years and began to work backwards. My mission was established. I wanted to have a cleaning company that operated with an excellence, integrity, and brought in X amount of dollars per month. Then I created a vision that became the strategy of how I would accomplish my my mission. To bring in X amount of dollars per month, I have to bring in X amount of dollars per day. To bring in X amount of dollars per day, I have to bring in X amount of jobs per day. To bring in X amount of jobs per day, I have to have X amount of ticket price per day. And then I saw my ticket price that I would need to average today could not equal up to where I needed to go. So I had to adjust my vision, my strategy to get to where I needed to go. Are you following me? What I saw was I had an average ticket price of this amount. I knew with that ticket price, I couldn't get that average out. So my mission didn't change. My vision changed. The vision is your strategy. Uh, uh, let me help you understand this a little bit. To, to go across town, you need a, a, a what? A car. To go from coast to coast, you need to what? To go out in the water, you need a, a boat. So there is a vehicle that is needed for each strategy that is required. Are you following me? Okay. So what most people don't know how to do is to build the vehicle. So instead of fulfilling your mission, you just wake up and whatever happens for the day, I'll just deal with it as the day comes. Most people think my marriage will be great by default. Most people think that I'm going to have great godly kids because they're good kids. Most people think I will start sharing my faith when an angel shows up and leads me to still waters. (laughs) Because you have a false expectation, you will have a false reality. You never put the vehicle in place to start driving to go down the pathway for your vehicle to reach its destination. Your vision becomes a vehicle for your mission to be fulfilled. Are you following me? 
All right. Nuts and bolts today. My, to have personal wisdom, I must write down my mission. I must write down number two, my vision. Number three, write this down, my personal culture. Culture. Culture is the unique process we use to fulfill our vision. Culture is the unique process we use to fulfill our vision. Why is this important? The process of who you are. That is your culture. The culture defines what you say and defines what you do. The culture is what is what allows you to do things and not do things. My culture is my boundaries that I will not cross. There may, there, there may be some great opportunities on the other side, but my goal is for my spiritual life to be at the center of everything and everything else doesn't matter. So my culture stops me from putting myself in the wrong environments. My culture stops me from putting myself in places where my mission cannot be achieved. I can have a great mission. I can have a great vision. But if my culture does not line up, my mission will never be accomplished. Let, let's break this down in your notes real quick. Here's how we look at this. Mission is why we exist. Mission is why we exist. Fill that out. Mission is why we exist. Your mission doesn't really change very often. Your vision is how we exist. This is the strategy. This changes all the time. Your culture is who we are to exist. This doesn't really change all that much. Let me give you an example. My mission, uh, we're already past that one. My mission is for my marriage is I want to have a healthy, transparent relationship with my wife. My vision for my marriage is I need to communicate with my wife daily, show my wife daily with my actions, and bless my wife often to show her that I love her. You see, let me give you a sidebar. Your strategy for your marriage better line up with what the needs of your spouse is. If a guy, like, I'm happy with, hey, I married you, that should be good enough to know that you know I still love you. But for her, she's like, no, I need date nights I say once a month, she says once a week. So I can come back and say, hey, my strategy is a date night once a quarter, and she comes to me and says, that ain't going to be good enough. So your strategy better line up with what you're trying to accomplish with your mission with the right person. Side note, my culture for my marriage is I'm going to allow myself to watch porn and TikTok and check at other women. Your culture defines you as a person. You can have the greatest vision in your life, and if your culture, what makes up your character, does not match the vision, you will never achieve your mission with integrity. My culture is I will not look at women in an appropriate way. I will not send a text that could be taken in the wrong way. I will not click on things that might lead to something else on the computer or on Instagram or on TikTok. And if you have to shut them off your phone, then guess what? My mission's more important than a temporary, <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. The culture defines your heart in this situation. The fourth and final aspect we're gonna look at, write down number four, is my personal discipline. Discipline is the self-imposed standard we put upon ourselves. God, this is so good. This is probably the most important part and the most overlooked. There are times that I would love to sit down and watch a movie with my family, but my mission does not allow me to do that whenever I want. 
my schedule is pretty busy. And if I do not have discipline, I will not get done what needs to get done. Because of my responsibility of my mission, it has created boundaries of me that I can and cannot do. My mission has created in me a responsibility to come and want to be in this place and be prepared. If I have not spent time in prayer this week, can I come and be prepared? If I have not spent time uh, studying the word and diving in the word, can I come and give you a message that God has put upon our hearts to inspire, to equip the saints to do what God has called you to do? Why not? It won't happen. Because of the mission upon my life, it has created disciplines or boundaries in my life that I have to follow. Not a single one of you called me last night at 1030 and said, hey, you better bring it tomorrow. You better get that word and it better be good. I'm bringing a friend, and you better be, I'm expecting good. Not a single person called me. My discipline on my mission caused me to do something that no matter what else goes around me, I will fulfill the mission. Are you following me? Are we following where I'm going with that? The mission on my life creates in me a responsibility to you. I didn't say for you. I said to you. I want to throw that out there. If you start blaming me for your screwed up life. <laughs> I am responsible to each week come in here and be prepared. If I'm not prepared, how can I expect God to do what God needs to do? Devin started school teaching. If she would walk into her class and had the room in disarray, had all the curriculum everywhere, didn't have kids' names where they were going, what would happen in that classroom? Chaos. But discipline says, I need to go up here and spend the time to go get all the kids' names taped and put right on their little desk so they know right where to go. I gotta put all their book bags and all the, all the stuff on all the walls that we had to tear up and set up and set down 10 times, thanks, Adrian. as, as a no longer a teacher. Discipline is what caused me to go and do something that no one else would do when no one else wanted to do it. No one wakes up every day saying, I want to spend 20 hours today seeking the Lord. I want to spend 20 hours today at work. No one wakes up. Discipline causes you when you feel like it or not to keep plugging along. The discipline that you create in you today may not affect you tomorrow, but I promise you it'll affect you a month from now. So we're not basing a discipline off what bothers us today or what needs to be done, done today. It's what needs to come in the future. I've met a lot of people who are disciplined for a few days. That's why I want to do prayer for like five days, prayer and fasting, because after five days, it gets hard. We did a, uh, I'm not going to throw you under the bus, but we did a um, no caffeine deal for, uh, it was supposed to be a long time, and at three weeks, man, I busted it. <laughs> uh, having a rough day, had a long day, and I text Adrienne, and I was like, I think I'm about to cave. I'm going to get me a Dr. Pepper. And the loving, caring wife she is wrote back, go for it. I'm like, hey, that's all I need. <laughs> I'm like, no, you caused me to stumble. I, 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 I screenshotted the text. I will use this. I should have showed it just so you know. <laughs> what? 
Well, that was the thing. Whenever she broke me, the next day she sends me a picture. Look what I got. I'm like, you set me up. You broke first, so now I get to do it too. So discipline is what causes you to say, hey, I'm not going to do these things. So be careful who you allow to speak into your life at the time of whenever you might be influenced in the wrong manner. Make sure you're listening to the right voices. That's going to preach on its own. If I have learned in my spiritual walk that tomorrow may not be, let me, no, 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 I'm, I'm just going to shoot you straight. We're family here. I'll tell you this. If I pull myself out of the spiritual realm off something that happened, it takes me a couple of days to get back. In our Kingdom Come series that we're going to do, you can live in the presence of God. I'm going to teach you how. But if there's things that you do that pull you away from it, you don't know what happens tomorrow that causes you to need to be in that presence. And if you're not there, tomorrow the thing that you get through is going to take you out. All right. Uh, I've learned in my spiritual walk there are things that I've got to do every single day in order that for my tomorrow will be what it needs to be. I'm not worried about today. God's already got today. I've got to do live my life for what's tomorrow. Let me give you a clear example. On the back of your notes, of what this looks like. And we're gonna use the church as an example, but you can do this in your own life. You can do this in a myriad of different ways. The Pathway Mission, if you mind, tell it to me. The Pathway Vision. So the mission is the original intent. The vision becomes our strategy on how we fulfill our mission. Our strategy or our vision is we want people to believe in Jesus, belong to a church family, become a fully devoted follower, and build the kingdom of God. We believe if we can get people to go down that track, our mission will be accomplished. So how do we get people to go down that track? That becomes the question. How do we move from the mission to the vision to the culture? The culture defines who we are. If we are not living our lives in such a way that causes people to want to come to be a part of the mission, I can never get them to be a part of the vision. So the culture of our church is we are a house of prayer. We pursue God's presence and we share our story with people. And if we live with this mindset, this happens all the time. Why did we do what we did last week? Pursuing God's presence. Why did we do what we did the week before? The five days of prayer and fasting. House of prayer. Why do we have prayer every Sunday morning at nine o'clock, which you all should be a part of? If you're not, you should be. Because we want to be a house of prayer. You can't be something without doing something. So we've got to do it in order to become it. In order to become it, to be it, we got to start off by doing it. So you've got to get yourself back in the prayer room at 9 o'clock to be a house of prayer. Why? Because when you're a house of prayer, you can pursue God's presence. And as you pursue God's presence, you will begin to share your story with people automatically. Because whenever you've been with the presence of the king, it becomes in second nature to you. It is not awkward for me to go into people's homes and talk about our church, to share my faith, to pray for people. Because I've been in the presence of God, I'm aware of the presence that's in my life life so therefore I want to share what's going on in my life 
So if you want to see the mission of this church accomplished, if you're not a praying person pursuing God's presence, you'll never share your story. See how they all start working together? And then we look at the disciplines. What do we do here week in and week out? These are just a few of them. We do a lot more than this, but uh, we encourage you to show up to church consistently. Why? Not because we need more people in the seats, but because in this atmosphere is where God begins to stir in your hearts to go out throughout the week. If you don't come and get filled up here, you're going to be empty out there. All right. We encourage you to live your lives in such a way that you can be used by God. We encourage you to be people who pray, share your story. We encourage you in our services to yield to the Holy Spirit. We take time every single worship service just to, just to, just the, the, the new way of saying it is let the moment breathe. In worship is you, you kind of let that moment breathe where you just say, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm here. Do something in me. I know you're going to, I know you're able to, and I'm going to position myself for you to do it. So I may not understand why I'm lifting my hands, but I'm going to do it. In every single Sunday service we ever have here, we will always give that opportunity for you just to quiet yourself, to pursue God's presence. We spend time building and investing in relationships. Um, the girls are getting together here in a couple of weeks. We had a group over Wednesday night. We were talking yesterday with a few guys we got getting our men's ministry up and going. Um, we financially support ministries who we cannot do, that they're already doing something. Um, building water wells over in Africa. We saw last week that 47,000 people come to Christ, documented names on paper, and I gladly write them a check every month to support what we can't do. That is part of our disciplines of who we are as a church. So when you look at your own life, write down your personal mission. Write down your vision. What is the strategy that you're going to use to accomplish your mission? And you have to be specific. And then write down your culture. What defines you as a person? I've met a lot of people doing a lot of great things, and their culture were stinky liars. I won't do business with them. There was a particular church here in town that I will not do business with because they asked me to lie. Your culture decides in advance what you're going to do. Is, I'll use a dumb example. For anyone in here, are you tempted to go across and rob Dickie's barbecue over here? Man, it smells good, it tastes good, but no one, none of you are tempted to go there and rob it. You've already pre-decided that. Then how come you're tempted to click on something you shouldn't click on? How come you're tempted to talk negative about somebody that you know you shouldn't be? Oh, that just got a lot of you because the nods went like this. <laughs> the culture defines. We don't let our kids speak negative. Matthew got in this thing calling me a stink face. I thought it was funny at first. I just stink was Isn't that what it was? Yeah, right. And see, he's denying it because he ain't going to say it because he's going to get in trouble. Now, I don't know what he's talking about. I'm innocent. He would say something like, hey, you stink face. Negative. No, stop that nonsense. Not that we're trying to be mean or rude, but it's because we're setting a standard for how we want to operate in this house. And if I allow something to be instilled at this age, it's only going to get worse as they get older. So we're coming to a point and saying, hey, nothing negative. 
Can I go shopping? I got to figure out a way to say no. Because I don't want to be negative, but yeah, you can go shopping, but you just can't spend any money. All right, have fun. Okay. You find out a way to be positive. It's all right. Last, write down your disciplines. What are you going to do every day? Tomorrow when I wake up, what are the five most important things I'm going to do today? And I'm going to do them every single day. John Maxwell's written over 100 books, the greatest leadership guru in America, probably in the world. And the question gets asked him all the time, how, do you, how, how have you written so many number one best studies? He said, 15 minutes every morning I sit down and write. If I feel like it or not, seven days a week I sit. And he said, most of the time, the stuff I wrote for that day, I just throw it in the trash. It's not any good. But I've developed a discipline I write every single day. Whatever you want to accomplish in your life, you want to be close to God, then what's that look like? I need to spend 30 minutes. Okay, I'm going to spend 30 minutes every single day or five, whatever it is. I'm going to build the biggest business that Norman's ever seen. Great, go build it. Make sure you tithe. Build that business. And whenever you come, this is how I'm going to do it every single day. I'm going to keep doing it. Even when it's raining outside and I can't go out and do what I need, I'm going to keep on doing it. I don't care what the circumstances around me, I'm going to keep on keeping on. In closing, I have at the bottom of your outline my pathway to my personal mission. I put four areas that you can start off on. Some people like, hey, I need to kick off. Like, where do I start? Um, I call these dashboards. I've got 15 dashboards in my life. A dashboard's like on a vehicle. You have the dashboard of the car. It gives you the check engine light. It gives you the gas. It gives you how hot the battery is. It gives you, is that, is that what it does? The, the, the electrical side, you know what it does. The, the, I, don't, I don't drive a car that those lights flash all the time, Terrence, like yours. So I don't get to see those lights very often. But, you have the, the, but those lights begin to give you a health signal for what your car is going through. I have four dashboards. I've got 15, but I wrote four of them down. These are in order of importance. You say, where do I start with the mission that God's called me? Your spiritual dashboard, what do you want your spiritual life to look like? You write that down, and then there's a health report. I'll send you mine if you want it. Just let me know. There's a health report. I ask questions. I do this every week. I go through this thing. Go through your family, career, your finances, um, and you write down your mission, your vision, your culture, your disciplines for every single one of those areas. I promise you, you do this for one year, your spiritual life will be the best it's ever been. Your marriage, your relationships, your career, your finances, your kids, everything in your life will have never been so good when you start living intentional how God's called you to live. All right. We're going to um, follow up with this next series um, on how to pursue God's presence. We're gonna do a kingdom come, and it's gonna be so good. I almost think about keeping you guys another hour and starting, because it's so good. I'm so excited about it. I even called mom, I said, we got a special song we gotta do in here. It's from the 80s, so just rock with me, it's okay. Kern's gonna sing it, she's like, man. Like, she started like, texting me other songs. Like, hey, this is like a little bit newer. I'm like, no, no, we gotta run to the battle. You guys know that song? <laughs> it's a brand new song. Just came out. You never heard it. 2023. It's coming out next year. 1981. But whatever. It's a great song. <laughs> uh, that has nothing to do with anything other than after this next series, we're going to do one on how to pursue God's presence. And we're going to base it off of worship. And so I want to help you in your spiritual life. That as a pastor is my number one goal. I want everything else to be good, but my number one goal is your spiritual life. Because if that one's messed up, everything's messed up. 
everything's messed up if that one's messed up. So we're going to talk about how the kingdom of God comes on earth, and there's some deep, deep theology revelations inside there. And then we're going to spend a few weeks talking on how we access and live in the presence of God. Um, and then we're going to have a great time. Um, whenever you have the wisdom of God, knowing you only allow yourself to operate in or believe your limited understanding, you learn to take these principles and grow to a place where you become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in today. The most important decision you can make is making Jesus the Lord of your life. The Bible says that because we are born into sin, there needs to be a blood sacrifice to redeem us from the curse that that sin brought us into when we were all born. God wanted to give you the opportunity to live in eternity with him so he sent his son jesus to die on the cross to be that blood sacrifice for you and i you can choose to make jesus the lord of your life and choose heaven or you can choose to make this sinful world we live in your standard of living and make hell the only option if you want to make jesus the lord of your life we want to give you that opportunity right now all you have to do is repeat these words after me say this lord jesus i am a sinner in need of a savior I confess my sins and I repent of those sins. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me a fully devoted disciple. If you just prayed that prayer, then you are saved. Congratulations on making that life-changing decision. Now is the next step. You need to start reading your Bible and get into a good Bible-believing church. You will find other people who've made the same decision that you just did, and you will help each other grow to become all that God has called you to be. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to know that I am praying for you, that I am for you, but I need to know about it. If you would go to pathwaychurchok.com, that is pathwaychurchok, just the letters O and K, dot com, Send us a message and let us know you prayed that prayer and we'll send you some free resources to help you start your journey with Christ that you just started today. Thank you again for tuning in. Congratulations once again. We'll see you next time right here.